Hey everybody, Jared here with the Almost Home Podcast. I just want to start off by saying thank you all so much for the uh, positive feedback we've got about our last episode, our first episode. Thank you for the likes, the shares, all that stuff. So many people listen and it's it's truly mind-blowing to have this many people support us. And I just want to say thank you for that. One person in particular that reached out to me said that Gage's story kind of made him think about his own parents and the forgiveness he had to give uh, to his own parents for his upbringing. And that was something I kind of looked past when Gage was giving his testimony, um, something I didn't really take into account as he was talking, but the forgiveness for his own parents for things that he went through. And the fact that he still loves his parents and still, you know, cares deeply for them. And in Colossians 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I didn't plan on doing like, hey, here's a big takeaway from this uh, from this episode of the podcast. But if I did... Gage's episode would be just that. Um, so that's it. I just wanted to bring up that little point and say thank you again for everybody who's supporting us, everyone who's liking us on Facebook at the Almost Home Podcast, on Instagram at almosthome.podcast, and following us on on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. So stay tuned. We're getting ready to get Fired up here with my next guest, Scott Hutchison, and we will be right back with that. So, because when we were hanging out when I in high school, was all about WWF, F. WWE, WCW. Yeah, yeah, cause it was Monday night, Monday night Raw. Yeah, Thursday night SmackDown. The good, the good old days. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we've started going here. My first guest, or my only guest for the day, is uh, Scott Hutchison, a buddy of mine from here in town I've known for most of my life. Scott, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Well, as you said, I'm Scott Hutchinson, and I've known you for most of your life. <laughs> uh, born in Wellsville, well, around Wellsville, but born and raised in Wellsville my entire life, graduated from Wellsville High School. My family's been around here pretty much forever. I mean, my mom graduated and. 68 from Wellsville High School, so pretty much been in the community our whole lives. Um, got one older brother, got a beautiful wife, and four kids. Perfect. Three cats, two dogs. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to start with some icebreaker, uh, icebreaker questions as well. If you could pick any superpower, any superpower, what would it be? Any superpower. I'd have to go with, uh, I'm going to go with invisibility. It's a good one. Yeah. Did that's not why see I chose, that one That's coming. why I chose it. <laughs> and then question number two. If you could hang out with any celebrity for a week, just you and this celebrity, whatever, hanging out, doing, just kicking it, who would that celebrity be? Would that celebrity is that go from... Any famous person, I assume. Yeah. I, I got to be honest, and everybody's going to probably hate this answer. If you're going to pick Carrot Top. No, nah, I'm going to pick okay. Tom Brady. Okay. 
I mean, I've been I've been a Patriots fan since middle school, and when you look at what what he's accomplished in life, I think he'd be a pretty interesting person just to be around and, and see the way he lives his life. He seems successful in a lot of areas, and I mean, he's just a little bit older than me, and uh, he's not near as fat and out of shape as I am. So he's he's doing <laughs> something right. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. I'd have picked Drew Bledsoe, but well, you know, I mean, he. He's kind of weak, you know. I mean, if he was a tough guy, he would have got up off the sidelines and he never would have let Brady take his job. There you go. Question number three. What's your favorite scripture? Favorite scripture. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Solid. So I, I really hang on to the six doesn't really encapsulate all of it because it kind of just picks up there. But it's really the last part of six there with the Lord being my helper. helper what can man do to me? Um, it just kind of speaks volumes for, you know, other scripture as far as, you know, let each man work out his own salvation through toil and suffering. My salvation is my salvation. It doesn't matter what you or Jennifer or anybody does to me. You, you can't take that away from me. That is mine. That's good. So it's really good. So in this part of the show, it's where we just hand it over to you. You can start telling us your your journey, what led you to Christ, and how's that going for you? Well, it's a uh, it's a daily struggle. I think. I mean, I think that uh, you'll probably experienced this or you have experienced it or you're experiencing is that, you know, your, your faith is, it's a daily walk. It's a lot like, you know, being in shape. You don't get to just go to the gym once a year and magically you got six pack abs for the rest of your life. I mean, it's, it's a daily thing. You have to be involved in it. Um, I did not grow up religious. Um, my mom attends church with us on Sunday and I think it's great. Uh, in fact, today following and I don't know if my mom will listen to this or not, but following the sermon during the music, I actually saw my mom um, kind of hold, holding her hands up. And I can't really hear her sing because she sings real soft, but I could see like when she was singing, she was kind of, and I don't know if this is a podcast, nobody can see my hands, but she just kind of had them up um, and what like Pastor Curse would kind of call like holding the baby, you know, you yeah. hold the baby. And, and when she was singing, you could see her moving, moving her hands like this. So it was like she was kind of freely worshiping. She hasn't really talked about getting baptized or anything like that. And I'll try to avoid tapping the table. I don't know if it picks all up, but oh, it does. Um, good. I won't do that again, but, um, but did not grow up religious parents didn't go to church. Um, my first, I think real experience with church would have been in probably middle school. Uh, I actually went to the family church before it was family church. It was the assembly of God and, uh, met of course some girls at the pool and they were like, hey, you should, you should come over to our church. And at, in middle school, it was just kind of like, yeah, girls want to hang out. I mean, where they want to hang out seemed irrelevant at that point. So I started going over there. I, I wouldn't say it was for an extended amount of time, but I do remember going to a Carmen concert or something with uh, the youth group at the time. Because they had a pretty big youth group uh, going on at that time. And, but I fell out of it probably just because I wasn't, I wasn't there for the right reasons. Um, but 
that I think at least kind of what's this about? But then as quickly as what's this about, it, it fell away. Um, really wasn't rooted in anything. Um, and then just went really about my life living, living my life for, for me. Um, married young, divorced young. Um, I think, I mean, the, really the root of it, I think is just the sinful nature of me. I've always struggled with lust. I mean, that, that would probably be my biggest, biggest hurdle I had to get over was, was, well, put it blunt. I mean, it was sex. I mean, I, I chased women for all the wrong reasons. I lived my life that way. I mean, knock on wood, I never, never got into drugs. Um, a lot of alcohol, a lot of women. And it's just, that was my, that was my weakness. That was my, my biggest sin. And, uh, fast forward, um, to, let's we'll see, this is 2023. So probably I'm going to guess seven, eight, maybe nine years ago, Matt Skinner used to live across the street from me. And, uh, he's probably, probably one of the most solid dudes you'll ever meet. Um, almost annoyingly diplomatic in every aspect of his life. You know, he, he doesn't get, he doesn't get ruffled about anything. If something bad happens, he's, well, you know, and it, and it's like, no, I just get mad. That's what you should, you should be mad. And, but he, he was, a uh, a really good neighbor to have, a really good friend. We used to hang out all the time on the weekends. He'd come over to the yard. We'd have a fire in the backyard. He and his wife would come over. And for the longest time, he would always, on a Saturday night, before opening the gate and walking home, he'd say, see you at church in the morning. And I'd say, nah, nice try though. I'll see you after church. And he wouldn't do it every Saturday, but he did it a lot. And I think that was his way of just... I'm not going to pressure Scott. I'm not going to ask him to come to church. I'm just going to say, hey, I'll see, see you there in the morning and see what happens. And I think it kind of surprised him on a Saturday before Easter service. He uh, he said, see you at church in the morning. And I said, well, what what time are you guys leaving? Can I can I grab a ride? And he kind of doubled back and, and looked at me and goes, like, seriously? I said, yeah. I said, what, what time are you and Carrie going? I'll, I'll just ride up there with you guys because I don't, I don't want to walk in you know, by myself into the, the Baptist church on Easter Sunday because Easter service was in the main church. And I really hadn't been in that church since uh, vacation Bible school when I was in second grade. And I didn't want to walk in by myself. So I, I went to church on Sunday with them. Um, really didn't didn't probably get anything out of the message. I, I specifically remember sitting there in the pew and just kind of, staring around at like the building and, and, uh, Pastor Swafford was, was given the, the sermon, but I, I heard bits and pieces, but I was more just kind of like just sitting there with my hands in my lap, looking at the backs of people's heads and trying to look at who all's in the room with me and, you know, not, not really paying attention, but that next week, something stuck in me. Because I, I wanted, I wanted to hear more. I wanted to give this an honest chance, as opposed to just uh, appeasing my neighbor by rolling into church with them. So that next Sunday, I attended the Connect service that they had there at the Baptist Church, and actually listened to the sermon. Um, 
was interested in what I was hearing, but at the same time, it was that struggle of, well, if I, if I go this route, if I, if I go this way, there's so much of my life that I felt at the time that I enjoyed that I was just going to have to leave behind. Um, cause you can't, you can't have the best of both worlds. You don't get to, you don't get to be a notorious sinner and, uh, go to church on Sundays. That's the kind of the hypocritical part about religion. I think that really turns a lot of people off is the idea that you go to church on Sunday, but then you spend the other six days of the week wronging people and just living that life. Um, but after that first Sunday at connect, uh, Brad and Rebecca Oshel, who live across the street from me, um, they had a Bible study going. And so that Sunday, first Sunday of church, I dove straight into a Bible study, um, had no, no idea what I was doing at that point. It was just, you know, almost kind of Ray Charlesing my way through it. Um, but I feel like the way I did it worked really good for me. Uh, the Bible study, the small group was instrumental in my ability to want to go to church. Cause when you go to church, you get to listen, you can read along and they put the scripture up and you can then go home and read and take notes and everything. But at the same time, you don't get to raise your hand and say, yeah, I, I was just wondering, I, I stopped the sermon. I got a question, but the, the small groups is that capacity where they dive into the scripture, you watch a video or something, but there's a lot of open dialogue where the ignorant person, me gets to say, well, I don't understand. And you're only with four or five people, so you don't feel like they're going to look at you and go, what are you talking about, dummy? Why don't you know this? Um, so did the small group that Sunday after that church, and then just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, kept going to church, uh, kept going to small groups. We did them, I think, for about two years straight. Started really immersing myself in the church. Um, I was kind of compared to the idea of, you know, the idle hands. And I signed up for the mowing crew to mow the Baptist church. I signed up for chair duty to set up chairs for service. I signed up to be an Awana leader. Basically anything I could do to keep me involved in the word, keep me involved in the church, and to hopefully separate myself from that life that I'd already known that wasn't satisfying me. Um, it wasn't probably... I don't know, four or five months, uh, Matt approached me again and, and in his super just sweet and diplomatic way, he says, hey, I'd like to talk to you the day after work. I said, sure, yeah, no problem. He's like, okay. So he comes over to the house and comes in and, and sits down. He says, you know, this is, this is something I've been thinking about. And he goes, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, but I see you doing things that are counterproductive to the church, to the idea of going to church, to the idea of what you're trying to accomplish with this. And if this is what you want over here with the church, then let's keep going. But you can't, you can't keep partying every night of the week. You can't keep doing these things and these things and these things. You know, it's just, if, if you want to go this way, you know, I want to, want to help you. I want, I want to be there for you, but you can't, you can't have both because it, even though I tried to immerse myself in the church, there still was a lot of time that I wasn't at the church or involved in the church that allowed me to somewhat dabble in those old sins a little bit. Um, 
not as not as deep as I was before, but I hadn't got away from them all the way. And I always respected Matt for having that that courage uh, to come over and, and have a hard conversation with someone. I mean, you, you invite somebody to church and, and then you see them doing some things and having the the faith to, to say, listen, I, I have to talk to this guy. I've got to, I've got to either, in a sense, I got to straighten him out or let him know you got to, you got to choose, you got to choose. And that's really what it came down to as a choice. Um, that's, that's got to be really tough for, to do yeah, for I, Matt to come over and yeah, I, that's I, a sign I, of a good Christian and a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was worried about my future and he, he, loves me and cares about me and he just wanted to let me know what he was seeing and I, I always respected him but that kind of grew that respect to another level that he had the the courage and the faith and the desire to invest in me to help me move forward in the right direction so wow, that's pretty impressive yeah um trying to kind of put my thoughts back together here um nothing you did. I just, things were, I should have wrote this down, like maybe in a speech or something. That way I could like little cliff notes and go back to it. But, um, you know, spent a lot of years at the Baptist church, wonderful church. The connect service was awesome. Um, really enjoyed, I enjoyed the serving aspect of it. I really enjoyed Awana's. Um, I just enjoy working with kids. I mean, I've, I've coached youth sports since I was 18 years old, uh, the kids program with wrestling all the way up till I was almost 30 when I stepped away from that. But at that point I had my own kids and was coaching them in soccer and T-ball and, and basketball and everything they were doing. So really never left youth sports, but I just enjoy um, working with kids and seeing not state champions, but seeing a kid that, you couldn't even catch a ball in their mitt and three weeks later they're at least it's hitting them and they're 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 getting it they're putting those little things together um and one of the things that happened at Awana that I it can be discouraging when you feel like sometimes as a coach that you're a kind of a glorified babysitter at times uh, parents have no expectations for their children it's just you're an hour to an hour and a half babysitter and then they get to drop their kids off and not worry about it um, and I, I felt that way sometimes at Awana that, you know, much like me when I first started going to church at 13, when I went to the, uh, assembly of God, I wasn't there for the right reasons. And, you know, when you go do youth ministries like that, there's inevitably going to be a lot of people there just not for the right reasons. And I think that probably just applies to church in general, but, um, the other leaders there, uh, we go to church, some of them now, Kara West, uh, Donna Thomason, um, they told me, listen, here, here's the thing. I know you've got 30 kids in this Awana class that you're leading. And I know it gets difficult. They don't want to listen. You know, they're, I think I was doing like third graders at that time. So, you know, their attention span's not there. But one thing you have to keep in mind is that it's two hours a week on Wednesdays. This might be the only time throughout the week that some of these kids have a positive male role model in their life. So even though you think they're not listening, even though you think they might be disrespectful or they're interrupting class and you're not getting a lot accomplished, you're accomplishing a lot more than you think you're accomplishing because at least you're showing them what a, what a positive male role model should be in their life, whether it's a boy, how he should grow up to be, or maybe it's a little girl looking at you like, you know, this is the kind of guy 
that when I grow up, I want to marry someone who's strong in their faith. He's patient, he listens, he does get on to us, but he's fair. And so they said, just keep that in mind. You're, you are a role model right now. And that's what you're you know, imparting on them as, as kids. And uh, so I really enjoyed my time doing Awana. Uh, met my wife, uh, what, five, I, sh- I shouldn't sh- stammer on this. Met my wife in 2018. Um, we actually met online. We were on a dating website called Plenty of Fish. Um, came across her profile. She had a picture of a butterfly on her face. And I just shot her a quick little message about how that's that's a really weird place for a butterfly tattoo. Uh, she she didn't respond for a couple days. And I thought, well, that was, that was probably a dumb, dumb opening line. <laughs> and then randomly on a Saturday morning, I got a message back from her and, and she'll tell you to this day that she thought I was, I was pulling one over on her because she sent me a message on a Saturday morning and I replied back and said, Hey, you know, thanks for getting back to me. Just so you know, I'm at work. Uh, so if I don't respond anytime soon, it's cause I'm, I'm busy at work. And she said that she thought I was just pulling one over on her and trying to sound more important than I was like, Oh, look at me. I'm at work. I can't talk to you right now. And now that we've been married and she knows I I was at work on Saturday (laughs) and, uh, you know, she, she has her own past. Um, not going to really dive into hers, but, um, I think it took a lot for her to step out and actually want to, want to date someone, especially me. I mean, I know, uh, you looking at me right now would appear as though I'm probably a, uh, terrible decision for anybody to date. But uh, she took a chance, and and it took about uh, about a week of chatting, and in that process of chatting, we both found out that she and I were both around the same time, new to our faith. Uh, she started attending church around the same time I started attending church. Obviously, in a different town, so we didn't know each other, but we both were new to our faith, um, and so that's something that we were able to kind of have some some conversations about because neither one of us were by far experts on, on the Bible or, or any of it. And after, after a week or two of talking, I, I convinced her to go on a date with me. Um, we met on a Friday night, March 9th of 2019. We met for our first date at the Branding Iron in Princeton, Kansas. Where uh, was she living at the time? She lived, she lived in Burlington. Okay. So a little bit further from her home, but she, uh, She did the whole safe girl thing, uh, made me send her a copy of my driver's license um, because I'm, I'm so anti social media. She was like, I can't, can't stalk you. I can't, I can't look this guy up because he has no record. There's no online record. I'm like, he's just nowhere. So I'm going to need you to send me a copy of your driver's license so I can share with my two girlfriends just in case I end up in the bottom of the Meridazine. They know. You know, they know who's house. I, I doubt she said Meridazine because you probably said like Neosho River because that's in Burlington. But, um, yeah, we met, met for our first date. It was, uh, it was really nice. Um, we had good genuine conversation, I think, because for about 14 days, that's all we had. We would, I would call her after work and we'd talk for two, three, four hours on the phone until she'd tell me, listen, I'm, uh, I'm in shape and I run a lot and I've got to get up at 4 a.m. and train for a marathon. So I have to get off the phone because it's 1.30 a.m. So I think that was kind of taking her out of her comfort zone with staying up late. But 
apparently she was interested in talking to me and, and, uh, so she made that sacrifice. Um, fast forward, uh, April of 2019, we got married. I proposed October of 2018. Um, if anybody knows who my wife is, she's a very genuine, sweet, loving person. And I think as a guy, I recognized, dude, it's not gonna, it's not gonna get any better than this. So if you, if you want this, you better, you better take the chance because if you pass this one by, it ain't going to happen again for you. So I, I proposed in October of 2018 after eight months of dating, got married on Good Friday, April 19th of 2019 on Porkchop Hill, right outside of Wellsville. Had a few friends, but mainly family. I think there was about 30 people there, no chairs, no nothing. We stood right there at the crosses and got married and uh, combined our families. They moved from Burlington to Wellsville and and the rest is kind of history with that as far as our family goes. And now we attend the, the church there, family church with you guys. And heck of a kind of a heck of a thing happening, I think, at the church right now with, I think, the whole community as a whole. I mean, I think it's, it's talking to someone the other day about it. I think the community is ripe for the picking when it comes to time for people's eyes to get opened a little bit and, and see the opportunities that are out there for them. We we had this discussion, speaking of uh, the church we attend, family church here in town. What's the population of Wellsville? Uh, as of 2021, it was like 1,920 people. That may seem weird to some of you guys, but he's on city council, so that's why he knows that. <laughs> uh, but the reason I ask that is because we had five services for Easter at this church in a town of 1,900 people, and there were over 600 Oh, right think, around 600? Yeah, I think it was like 580 in attendance, not to mention... The online. Online, which I don't think there's a huge population in town that does online, but I know there are some. So, yeah. So, not not that everybody was from Wellsville that goes to the church here, but just looking at the numbers themselves, about 20 to 25% of the population would be what attended that church in in person on well, you, Easter Sunday. You could also just put it as 20 to 25% of the people in Wellsville, regardless if they're from Baldwin or, you know, Monty and them come from Spring Hill. Yeah. At least 20 to 25% of the people inside of Wellsville on Sunday were at family church. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And when you were going there when you were younger, what was the congregation like then? Um, well, I know that there was at least anywhere from five to six 12 to 13 year old girls there. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was just huge. Um, I do remember going to a few of the Sunday services and, and you know, the, the sanctuary really, it was exactly what it looks like today. The only difference is, is there was um, kind of back where the audio booth is. I think those were some rooms. And for some reason, I remember like a stairwell that might've led upstairs to the attic or something. I don't, but I mean, it wasn't, wasn't anything like it is today. Um, you know, so there, there might've been 40 or 50 people in there on a Sunday. If, if my memory serves correctly, it wasn't, it wasn't packed, but it wasn't quite the worship experience that it is today. But I think churches as a whole have changed. I mean, you go back, what would that be? 30 years ago, there probably wasn't a whole lot of churches out there that had a drum booth 
uh, electric guitar, bass guitar, yeah. keyboards. I mean, it was acoustic guitars and, I don't know, tambourines or, you know, I don't know what, what they had. but Well, it was church, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, the few times I went as a kid, there wasn't instruments at all. Maybe a piano but or an organ. Right. But other than that, it was everybody singing out of a hymnal, right. you know, singing together. There wasn't a band. There wasn't a choir, you know, uh, a lot of that, but... Um, so you talked about the services you went to at Baptist Church, the Connect service. This was probably like the first time ever really being in a, around a contemporary style, you know, with, with a band and where everyone's standing up, singing hands in the air and, you know, like actually enjoying the music before the sermon versus traditional, which at that time... Jen and I were going to traditional services. They had traditional service and uh, the contemporary, the connect, and we always went to traditional because I was very, I wouldn't say against contemporary, but I just, it wasn't my thing at the time. I'd rather sit and, like, I'm not someone of change, really. So right. I like sitting there and just listening to, to Pastor Tom give a sermon, and and that was about it. Yeah, I, I couldn't do the traditional service. I always had a hard time following the hymnal book. I could never remember what line to go back down to at the bottom. And it was like, because we, we, uh, we went to Christmas Eve service out at the, uh, can't think of the name of the church. It's where Donna Ross used to go, right out past Lay Loop there. Uh, it's a little country, ba uh, Coy, Coy Baptist Church. And it, the whole building is probably 40 by 30. So there's room for a solid 45 people in there. And if you're 45 people deep, everybody's sitting shoulder to shoulder in the pews. But we went out there for Christmas Eve service with Kim and Guy and Bob and, and they sang hymnals. And I, you know, opened up the hymnal and I'm like, oh, that's right. You, you sing up here and it's a second line. So you sing the second line and the second line, but then there's a chorus and then you might have to go back with the third line. So I, I muddled my way through it. Um, <laughs> But I mean, contemporary service obviously has its place. You know, it's it religion and church. I mean, they they have to they have to evolve, and they have to meet the needs of the people. Um, and if you are just and, and Pastor Curtis has talked about this, there was a way we were doing things, and we changed the way we were doing things to kind of take the blinders off and raise the curtains and let everybody know, hey. We're here, and it. I think he said it, it caused some people to to walk away from the church because they wanted things to be the old way. Um, but I mean, the new way is still the old way. I mean, it still revolves around what Jesus, Jesus dying yeah. on the on the cross for our sins. It just allows you to open up your services to people that would have never given a traditional service a chance. They need that more free, energetic. I wouldn't say structureless, but less structured type of worship where you are free to raise your hands and clap and dance and sing loud and or sing not so loud or sing bad like I do um, with, with with that type of just that ease, easiness to it. And I think that's probably what's so appealing about it is it is it's an easy, almost well, easiest place to experience a love and forgiveness. So that that really helps make it the place to be for us and, and kind of rewind a little bit when we got Michelle and I got married, uh, I was going to the Baptist church and she was going to, 
Radiant Life in New Strawn, Kansas. And she had been a part of that church for a long time when it was a small church out in the country. Um, they bought a building in New Strawn and they remodeled it into their church. And the it, it was contemporary, much like Connect Service. But when you went to New Strawn, because there wasn't, they had a lot of churches like Wellesley, you know, you have a population of 1,900 and you got six churches inside city limits. Burlington's like that too. But going over to Radiant Life and you go into their contemporary service, and I think they only had, if I recall right, they only had one service, 9 a.m. But that sanctuary, it had three rows of chairs, kind of like we do with outside in the middle with, but they're, they're probably like, if ours are 12 chairs, theirs were like 16 and had three rows of 16 wide. It was packed every Sunday morning. It was packed and they, and they probably had, I would guess they had two, 200 plus people in there at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. Uh, but a very lively and energetic band. I mean, it was very similar to Connects. So it was easy to fall into, but when we got married, the decision was made, Hey, we're going to, we're going to find our church. You know, we're not going to drive to New Strawn every Sunday. We're not going to go to the Baptist church. There's nothing wrong with either one of those churches, but that was my church. That was her church. Now we need to find our church. Um, we went to, um, a church over in Gardner for a while. Um, Noah and Bridget were going there at the time. Um, they, the church didn't have a building. They were meeting in the middle school over by the ball fields there, the new, not new century ball fields, whatever it is over there, celebrity celebration park. Yeah. Um, so we went over there for quite a while. Um, and again, it was another amazing contemporary service, uh, their lead worship. I would compare her really closely to Sam. I mean, she played the keyboard, she sang, and it was it was amazing. And we really got into it. The kids seemed to like it. But after a couple months of going over there, we quickly realized if we want to do a life group, it's in Gardner. If we want our kids to go to any type of uh, youth ministries or any type of youth activities, it's in Gardner. It's in Gardner. It's in Gardner. It's in Gardner. It's nothing against Gardner, but I drive from Lenexa to Wellsville and the idea of two or three nights a week, then driving back to Gardner and then back to Wellsville again, it was just, you know, it wasn't for us. Not to mention, um, I know you have to step outside your, your comfort zone, but everything they did was, hey, we're having a celebration this week. We're celebrating Gardner. Everybody show up because we're celebrating Gardner and we're doing this in Gardner. And it was like, well, Gardner's not my home. It's not my hometown. I, I don't dislike them, but I love Wellsville. And so we were over at Dustin and Lauren Williams' house, and he had asked me a question. We were sitting around talking, and he said, so you, uh, you, go, you go up to that church yet? And he was talking about family church. I said, no. I said, we haven't. We haven't. We're, we've been talking about it. And he said, well, it's Saturday night, so um, look, at, look up their services. We'll, we'll meet there tomorrow morning. And I said, okay. And so we, all four of us, the four, two families, met there. Sunday morning and, and kind of fell in love with it instantly. I mean, Pastor Curtis is obviously a very compassionate speaker. And uh, I think you've said it before that, you know, if he just sat there and told you about folding his socks and if he stopped, you'd be like, well, tell me more. And I mean, I, I agree. And Kyle is much the same way. I mean, when he talks, you just, you want to listen. 
and I know he, he I don't know if he said it at the nine thirty service, but he'll he'll throw it out there. Hey, I'm I'm preaching about ninety four percent better than you're responding. And I always find myself going, I wanna say something, but I'm normally just going with drool coming out of my mouth because I'm just I'm listening to what you're saying and before I can go, That's right, or Amen. You've moved on because my brain is still processing what you said, and I'm just I'm absorbed into what what's going on. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of how we ended up at family church with with my wife and I, and then the very first I think it was the very first baptism Sunday they offered um, is when I when I jumped in, and that would have been oh man, I probably should know this date, but I don't. Uh, it was a good day, I can tell you that. It was a really good day. My daughter, Addison, got baptized the same day as, as I did. But it would probably have been, uh, let's see, 23, 20. When you got baptized in 22, right? Uh, 21. 21. I said for, for Jen and I, it was September 11, or September 12th of 2021. Okay. Then I feel like if they had like a baptism in the spring. Yep. Then it probably would have been spring of 21 is when I got baptized. Because I know you guys were just right after me, but I don't think it was a full calendar year later. No, I think I think you're... Because we hadn't been going there all that long. Right. When when all that went down, when you, uh, when you got baptized, and then not long after, that's when we did. Well, it had probably been... Had to been spring of 21, because I'm pretty positive that... I don't know when you guys started going there. I know we went, um, Michelle and I and you and Jennifer went to the same Next Steps class. Yeah. Um, and that would have been right after we started going. Probably. We started late, around the same time then, I'm late, sure. I want to say October-ish of 2020 is when we started going. And then that about six months later is when I got baptized or whenever they offered it first. And the marriage encounter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did the marriage encounter. That would have been before, because I think that was like in winter of 2020. No, it was February. It was February. February. That well, February is still technically winter. <laughs> but of 2021. 21, winter of yeah. 2021. First winter. First winter of 2021, not second winter. But yeah, that, so I mean, I, and, and my kids love it there. I love it there. It, it's, it's a, it's a great environment. And again, I, I can't. Stress enough that I think it's awesome that that my mom comes in there on Sunday mornings. Um, you know, she'll she'll text and ask what service we're going to. I think she's been there, even if we're like, yeah, we're we're not going to be at church day. We're out of town. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to early service, and she'll go in there by herself. I see your dad in there by himself. You know, he goes to the eight o'clock service too. But yeah, he um, was he he wanted to take it easy on the crowds of the nine thirty service, so uh, well, he goes to the eight o'clock. I don't blame him. That is uh, that is a Door busting crowd at nine thirty. I mean, eleven's there. Eleven uh, was dang near standing room only today. So there's all lazy people in this world. <laughs> I was there serving. I'd already been to service that day. So, <laughs> uh, so Michelle and you, you started. You guys kind of came to Christ about the same time. We're new in your faith around the same time, not knowing each other. Right. And that would have been you said seventeen, eighteen. I'm going to guess, yeah, I'm, well, yeah, I'm going to guess 16 or 17, somewhere around there, yeah, because we've been together since 18, and I was still doing Awana at that time, 
and I think it was, I think it was my third, third year being an Awana leader. So 18, 17, yeah, probably 2016. And I think she was right there in that neighborhood too, where she felt herself being drawn to going to church and she had people in her life. She went to a, she, I think she actually started almost in a small group and that led to her going to church as opposed to going to church and then being, being drawn into a small group. But we have very, kind of very similar situations like that. I mean, obviously our, our before God lives were not anything the same, but yeah, we both, both kind of started that venture at the same time. Okay. And the, the reason I ask is because, like we do, the Bible study together, um, and just seeing how far along you guys are, um, and like the difference in, I guess, just the comfort of like when Michelle prays versus when I pray or something like that. Like you would, you would think that she had been raised in a church, you know, like she was just been a part of it her whole life, right. and. You know, when we're discussing some scripture we we just read, you can lay out some knowledge there that's just, it just seems like you both have been in a lot longer than that, than than you actually have, you know, the six years or so, six, seven years you have been. Right. Yeah, I think think for Michelle, um, she's a very dedicated Bible reader. She is the wake up at 5 a.m. and spend the next hour doing two or three different uh, devotionals that she's doing or Bible studies that she's doing. I mean, she is much better than I am about dedicating that spare time to reading the Bible. And, and she, I think she's far more intelligent than she likes to give herself credit for being because when she does read the Word, it, she absorbs it way better than I do, way better than probably a lot of people do where she reads it and then she can just be like, yeah, well, you know, in Matthew, it talks about this or in Isaiah. And it's like, I've read the Bible, well, one time all the way through on a Bible study app deal. But I've read a lot of the Bible, you know, just through going to church and Bible studies and stuff. And it doesn't, I'm not a, uh, I'm tactile. I need to, don't, don't tell me how to fix the engine. Let me watch a video on how to do it. And then I'll go do it. I need to put my hands on something. Michelle absorbs much better reading than I do. So when she reads the scripture, it just it implants itself in her head and she can she can draw it out just, you know, just like Pastor Curtis or Kyle can. It's just like, oh, I know what it says in this part here. So yeah, she's, I can't say it enough because I'm sure she'll listen to this. Uh, she's, she's amazing. I mean, it's, she, she's a, she's a blessing that, that my life needed. Um, I won't say what have happened, but I mean, she definitely is the thing that keep had kept me in church um you know because it was now it's it's our family and she when we made the decision to change churches or go to a church it was always she looked to me for that decision where are we going to go you know you're the leader of this family you're the spiritual leader of this family we follow you but just so you know we are going to church you just need to decide which church we're going to and if it fits us and and pastor curtis kind of talked about church shoppers you know, yeah. and, and I know it's not it's not the most attractive term to put on someone, but I, I think that you do have to shop a little bit for a church. Um, you know, when you have children, um, when you have unique situations, and you end up going into a church, and 
the church is not going to feed you in your spiritual journey the way you need to be fed. Some of it is on you to make the most of it, but at the same time, there, there, there needs to be opportunities. It's no different than going to school at Olathe South or going to school at Wellsville, Kansas. Olathe South has way more opportunities for kids because of the size of the school and their economic status up there than Wellsville is going to be able to provide. So if you walked into a small rural school and it was like, hey, where's your guys' computer lab? And you go in there and realize it's literally a computer lab with one MacBook sitting there. Or you go up to Olathe South and they got 64 computers and they, you know, they have the technology. You have the opportunity to get more out of that environment than you might hear. Granted, you could get the same. Well, let's just put it this way. The wrestling room in Wellsville, I was just talking to Kyle about that today. And I said, what an upgrade. What an absolute upgrade. But at the same time, how many state champions has that broom closet churned out? It's not really about the room it's about what you put into the room when you're in there. What you get out of the room. Exactly. So, and that's why, you know, church shopping, I think, is important. But I think you also have to keep in perspective that you've got you've to invest yourself in the church in order for it to work for you. You have to serve. You have to be there. You have to, you know, tithe. All the things that go along with being a church body. If you're just going in there like a sucker fish and seeing what you can suck out in an hour before you go home, then yeah, you're, you're in it, nothing out of the church. But if you go to next class, if you tithe, you put God in control of all areas of your life and you make it a priority to be there and get to know people, then it really doesn't matter what church you're at. You're going to get something out of it. But again, when we went to family church, it was just, we sat there for an hour and it was like, well, checked off my, my wife's box, which was, do they have good worship music and a good worship team? She was, I need that. She was, that is my energize before the sermon. I need that to get me pumped up. What's the sermon like? What are the intros like? What's what's the, the pastoral body like? And it just kind of checked all the boxes. A lot of smiling faces, a lot of people we already knew, and it knocked it out of the park with all the other areas for us. So, Yeah, there's, there's something to say about this church, just of how many new uh, new people come to church all the time. There was, it was a while back where there was, I think there was six weeks in a row where there was a new family or something like that that had never been there. Mm-hmm. Six weeks in a row, new families coming in. And then, what was there, eight people at the next class? Eleven. Eleven, eleven yeah. people at the next class uh, for, for last month. And and like the, on the topic of shopping churches, Jen and I did that, you know, a little bit. And we went to some large, we lived in Johnson County for a little bit up in Overland Park. We went to some large churches, and it just, it wasn't my thing. Um, like you said, the opportunity in a bigger church or a bigger school like you use, it's there. But for me, that's too impersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we loved about about this church when we came there. It's it's no longer a matter of, at other churches, we'd wake up and say, are we going to church today? I don't know. Yeah, we'll go. There's no more question, right. are you going to church we're going to church. Right. What are we doing after church? Right. You know, and when you can have, when you can have a church draw you like that to mm-hmm. where there's no question, you know, they say 
you belong here and it's it's true and they truly try to make you feel that way and yeah and, and when you say and when you say that when you have a church that can draw you um I, I think that can really for you and for I that can be taken in a very literal sense just knowing that you know we are the notorious sinners is what what pastor says and it, and I, I take that as a compliment right. in a way um, and he we've talked about it but when a church can draw someone who has faith, but maybe not as I'm not a Dennis Kickler, you know. So when a church draws him, he he, he every church draws him. He, he he's a very strong man of God. But when a church can draw someone that is not that deep, or maybe just kind of lost in the weeds a little bit. So there's a lot about a church that it'll convince you that it doesn't matter. I'm waking up at 7 a.m. I'm probably there at 7.20 to 7.25 on a Sunday because I like to get there a half hour early so that I can mill around and talk to people. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a chatty Kathy <laughs> and uh, it allows me just to kind of hang out because I, I don't like the idea of showing up at 7.57 and walking in, grabbing a bottle of water, going in, sitting in there, and then walking out of that building at 9.05, and I spent an hour and eight minutes in there, and an hour of it was in the sanctuary. I went 30 minutes before, and I went, I went 15, 20 minutes afterwards. I want to beat it before the, all the 9.30 service shows up so there's some place for them to park. But I like, I like the, you know, the church environment, and I, I don't know what you wrote down um, three weeks ago when they asked you, you know, when you think about church, you know, what, what's a word that comes to mind? And one of my words was family. And, you know, when it's your family, you want to spend time around them. You don't want to, you don't go to Thanksgiving and be like, what time we eat at noon? I'll be there at noon. Right. You show up a couple hours early and you hang out and you talk and you get to know each other. And that's kind of what I I like about this church is just all the the conversations that are had. Yeah, it's it's true. It's very, it's very welcoming. And like you said, it's notorious sinners, as Curtis likes to call us, um, a place like a place like family church when if there was someone else that had walked in URI's shoes or is going through that right now and could come to this church and see you there, me there, my dad there, some of these other people that have that have had their struggles now go there. And not only they're there, that they're accepted and they're serving and they're a big part of the church. Mm-hmm. It's, it says a lot. So Yeah. Yeah, and then, and I kind of touched on it, but when I, I talked to pastor about, you know, the notorious center. And I, I told him flat out, I don't mind it because it helps me understand and remember where I came from 100%. and where I don't want to go back to Scotty sure. Hutchinson, the notorious center. You're right. Yeah. That that's the label I had. And I don't, I don't want to be that center anymore. I want to be known as Scotty Hutchinson. He, he, he was a notorious center. Not anymore, but he was, and that's the guy that I left. I left behind. It's very well put. I like it. So, what else do you got going on? Um, I know you serve on the safety team. I serve on the safety team. Michelle does a does a lot there. She she does intros on, and yeah, she does intros, and she's on the um, the planning committee. So putting together the Mother's Day and Father's Day stuff or any type of it. She's on that committee. Um, I'm 
pretty sure that she is either talked about, has talked about, or been talked to about being somewhat of a small group groups leader. So would kind of maybe step into a little bit of what Kyle does now as far as small groups go. She would kind of be the person that is the resource for small group leaders if they're having questions about how to start one or how to go about getting it going or if they're having trouble with it, that she can kind of help them get their group together and have success in, in reaching people there. So, yeah, she's, she's very, very active as well. I mean, both, both our daughters, Addison and Alex, they're on the Swerve team. So Alex spent 8 o'clock and 9.30 service in the infant toddler room, which if you are the dad of a 14-year-old daughter, there's nothing better than having her spend two and a half hours in an infant toddler room on a Sunday morning just to remind her exactly what babies are like. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think getting your whole family involved is important because um, it helps them understand as they grow older that you, you don't you don't just take you you give back, and that's I think something that struggles sometimes with the kids when it's like, yeah, you're serving at nine thirty, like I, I think it was two weeks ago or maybe a week ago. I'm just so terrible with time. Like it seems like maybe yesterday, but it was actually last year. But I think it was like two weeks ago. I was I was talking to. Uh, someone there in the youth youth area, and they said that they didn't have any any Swerve team members. And Swerve is the you know the students or the kids that serve along with adults in the in there. Uh, they didn't have any Swerve kids that had accepted to to work. And Alex and Addison were standing there, and I said, "Well, we're getting ready to go in here at eight o'clock." I said, "But I got I have two for the nine nine thirty service." And, you know, one of the, one of the kids, I'm not going to say which kind of leaned back by the door where she couldn't be seen. And she looked at me and just kind of like shook her head. No, like, <laughs> and I said, yeah, we, I got two for you. And so after the eight o'clock service, I ushered them on in there. And then we, we had a good, we had a good conversation about, you know, Hey, this, this is what we do. You know, we're here to serve because you don't know whose life you might be having an opportunity to impact. Um, so we, we always take those, those, those opportunities to, to serve and help and be a part of something that's a little bit bigger than ourselves. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know exactly how much time we have left, but I do have a pretty awesome story here about both of my girls uh, from last week. Well, we got the time. Okay, good. So I Thursday um, was the rainy day. And just this past week, um, both girls had their softball games canceled. I thought for sure Maverick was going to have uh, baseball practice canceled. And I knew Michelle was going to be at the church working on the Mother's Day stuff. So I told her, I was like, you know, it would be really awesome is I'm going to take all three kids. We're going to go over to Ottawa. And we're going to go to pizza time. Uh, apparently, a lot of people in Wells will like pizza time. I personally have never eaten there. But I thought, you know what? What the heck? I'm gonna, yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza is one of those things that I either I can give or take. Like it's not one of those things where I'm like, man, I'm starving. Let's go have pizza. It just it just it just doesn't it doesn't do it for me. If I'm starving, let's go let's go have some Mexican food. Let's go have some sushi. Let's go have you know that's those are the things we steer towards. But 
you know, my neighbors talk about it. And I was like, you know, we're going to go to pizza time. So I told, I told Michelle, I said, I'm going to take the kids down there tonight uh, while you're at planning commission. And she's like, well, we bring me a slice of pizza back. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if it works that way. I don't think I can go. I need a <laughs> slice of pizza to go. Um, but then as it turns out, Maverick has uh, batting practice. So I actually got a hold of one of the other parents, and they said, yeah, we'll absolutely pick him up. So I was able to go take just my girls, which it's always nice to spend time with, you know, one of them or two of them together. Um, the, the conversations always seem to be really good. But um, we went down there, and first I'll just throw it out there. I don't, I don't know why I've never been there, because that was probably one of the best pizzas I've ever had in my life. I mean, just I fed all five of us for $45, about five mini pizzas. And amazing, it was it was amazing. But I was talking to talking to the girls, and and they were telling me about school and different things that were going on. And they brought up a, a kid that they have in there that that dresses differently, um, wears some pretty obnoxious things together. Um, and of course, when you're talking to a uh, what a 12 and a 14 year old, what they define as obnoxious is about anything they wouldn't wear, whether it is or not. And I, I just, I just asked, I said, so, you know, how, how, uh, how, how does that affect you? You know, how does it affect you? So she comes to school wearing a tutu leggings, high heels and a, a leather jacket. Yeah. To you, it might look silly, but I said, is she, is she stopping you? How she dressed? Is she stopping you from doing anything or is she just, is she just happy? Well, she's she's probably pretty happy, Dad. I said, yeah, I bet she is because she's doing what she wants to do. She's being who she wants to be. What if she complained about the way that you dress? Maybe the way you dress looks weird to her because it's all just status quo, what everybody else is wearing. You're not being your own person. I said, but the way you dress isn't stopping her from being who she is. And the way she dresses isn't stopping you from being who you are. And, and Addison... She goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess, I guess it doesn't matter. And then Alice goes, huh? What? What? Uh, what'd you say? So I knew at that point that she she was more interested in her Mountain Dew and her pizza than she was that conversation. But I felt like Addison really got something out of it. And then you know that that kind of changed the subject to something else. And we just kind of kept having these really really genuine conversations about what they have going on in life. But it allowed me to have a little bit of you know, dad wisdom on them from a Bible standpoint, a little scriptural standpoint. Um, cause we, we then got to talk about uh, a girl that is uh, special needs. And the, my younger daughter said that, you know, she's, she's just so sweet. You know, we play dodgeball in gym class. She just runs around and gets the balls and hands them to people to throw. And just is giving and loving and caring, and then and Alex, the older one, said, "Who?" And, she, and we, you know, this is who we're talking about. And she goes, "Oh, I love her. She's just the sweetest." And I said, "So let me let me ask you girls a question. So you both can agree that this this young lady is sweet, caring, caring, loving, happy, genuine. She's you just adore her, as do I, and." She is, on a daily basis, maybe not 100% aware of that she is dealing with something, but she is dealing with something. And it, it causes her capacity to be limited in comparison to her peers. Yet, with those physical or mental limitations, she is happy, loving, 
genuine, caring, and all of these things, you aren't experiencing any of those limited capacities in your life. Why is it so hard for you to be loving, genuine, caring, happy as she is? And they both, they both looked at me like, I don't know, maybe I just rose Lazarus from the dead or something. It was, it was just that they're just like, they didn't know how to answer the question. And, and I, and I just, I kept kind of just hammering it home that, you know, we, we don't, so many of us don't suffer. We all have our struggles. Everybody has their struggles, whether it's, it's mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, we all have our struggles, but it's really obvious that there are some people in society that have way worse struggles than we have. And if they can go through life and just genuinely be happy and sweet and a joy to be around, why is it the people that don't have any of those struggles, why are they always so bitter and and just, they don't want to be around people and they hate people and they're mad, they're angry. And it's, you know, it should, it should be a lot easier for us to recognize that we are being terrible people. That's good. There's it's a lot of truth in what you just said. But you look at like most movies or even even real life, you know, in movies and TV shows and stuff, the the people that have all the money, the rich people are always angry and and <clears throat> they're upset, they're you know, their home life is a wreck and that kind of stuff. And then the tiny Tim you know, right. he's grown up with nothing and look how happy he is. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's something we see over and over again in movies and on TV shows and all that stuff, but it's so hard to grasp in real life. Sure. And I think partially because we know people with money that are happy and they're, you know, it's, it's not a one size fits all thing, Right. but it's true that you don't have to have all those things. Um, and it kind of reminds me of. Matthew six nineteen through twenty one, uh, and I'm gonna screw this up because I'm on the spot right now. Well, I'll stare directly <laughs> into your eyes and see if that helps you remember it. Lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven or on earth, where moth and dust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and thieves do not break through or steal. And here's the kicker. For where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I did screw that up a little bit. Look it up yourselves. Uh, it's uh, Matthew six nineteen through twenty one, um, but it's a good one, and it kind of goes over what the story you just told and what we we're just discussing. It it doesn't really take a whole lot just to take a step back and look and say, you know what, I I really do have it pretty good. Yeah, there are people that have it way way worse than me well you know and you talk about you know with movies or maybe even real life people that have seemingly have it all right they've got they've got the cars they've got the house they've got the bank account and at the same time they're miserable and i think we both know exactly the one thing that they could add to their life that would erase probably a lot of that misery and that's god yep um and then recognizing that i only have this house I only have this money, I only have these cars, I only have this wealth because God enabled it to happen. God made me the way he made me. God did all this work in my life to allow me to have this stuff. And then you start removing 
you know, some of that misery from your life because you start living for something more than the things that the, the moths and the rust are going to corrupt because you're living for God and then you're way happier with your possessions because you find a, a bigger purpose for yourself than just living for your possessions. And that I think that's probably something a lot of people struggle in. I mean, a lot like you, you got a beautiful motorcycle. I've, my, I've, the car I have now is the first nice car I've ever bought. But I have to step back and realize that, one, it's just a car. Absolutely. That's all it is. It's just a car. It's an A to B type of situation. But I only have that car because I have the job that I have that allows me to make the money that I make so I can have that car. But it all boils down to the fact that God made me an amazing human being. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but, <laughs> but, but he made me an amazing human being, which has allowed me to have the status that I have in life. And, but it's not, it's nothing I did. I mean, I didn't, I didn't figure this out all on my own. I mean, God, God built me and the way he built me allowed me to do these things. So. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> well, we're just over an hour now. Wow. That time flies. When you're it does. Time. So what do we got? Like two hours left? Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. Three, three and a half hour podcast. Um, it's part, part one, part two. It's about three o'clock. I got to be at work at seven o'clock tomorrow morning. So oh, well, do the got, math. <laughs> yeah, we got plenty of time then, man. I mean, you, you don't even have to be here. You can just walk away, and I'll just stand here and talk into the microphone. As long as I'm not too loud. Where, where's your Where's your sleeping quarters at? Uh, mine's that way. He leaves us just on the other side of this wall, but okay, he I'll, can sleep through anything. Okay, so. I'll, I'll try to talk as quiet as I can. So maybe we'll just start doing this live stream. Anybody, anybody can click on anytime they want and get some, get some knowledge <laughs> yeah. from Scott. Yeah, it's like uh, with that, that International House of Prayer. Yeah, you, you just tune in and hear Scott rambling on about something that happened in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> Only with Scott dating it, it probably happened in 2014. <laughs> yeah, probably. It seems like it was maybe a year ago, and it's like Scott, that was like a decade. Good point. <laughs> well. Scott does not have um, any social medias to nope. to shout out or anything like that. Um, nope. I kind of envy him. I I wish now that I never got started on that stuff, but it'll help us get the podcast out there. So we're going to keep it. it. It has it has social media has a place and it fills a need. Um, I just think it's it gets the 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 idea of it just gets way too perverted for me. And it, it kind of does that shining the light on the perfect life. And I mean, I, I had Facebook. And one of my one of my final straws on Facebook was I got drug into a quasi-debate with someone, a philosophical debate that probably neither one of us were right. But I ended up going down the rabbit hole. And next thing I know, I went, what am I doing? What am I doing? What do I what do I do? I get on Facebook and I look for things to comment on that I don't even probably care about. This is stupid. Goodbye. And I got rid of it. And I never had any of the Twitter grams or or <laughs> whatever insta tweets or whatever that stuff is. But you know, yeah, I got rid of Facebook probably six, six, seven years ago and just I tell you what, I I I deactivated it and then they're like, Are you sure you don't want to de deactivate? I'm like, Yeah, and I was like, what's this down here? delete account and it was like are you sure and I'm like yes I'm like well we need DNA to make sure that it's you I mean it was a long process but once it got deleted and I uninstalled the app from my phone I was like ah. it was like getting out of a really bad relationship 
that you knew was bad, but you didn't want to acknowledge was bad. And then that breath of fresh air, as soon as it's over, you're like, oh my gosh, this is nice. And I've never looked back. Yeah, that would be nice. When was that? When was that? Um, Well, let's see. Michelle and I in 2018. (laughs) So, yeah, you you asked a question. When was it? You know, my time stamping here. Uh, I want to say it was probably (laughs) probably 2016, um, I guess. It was shortly after I started really going to church and everything, and I recognized just the ugliness of it it all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's been nine no, wait, six. Six <laughs> carry the two. Seven years. Yeah, seven years. I think I was on Facebook in 76, yeah. 77, Nin- 19, something like that. 1967. Yeah, that's when I was on Facebook. I, nobody else knew about it at the time. I was only there by myself. Yeah. Therefore, there was nobody to argue with. Just me and Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me, I'm Marxies, what I call them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you can still reach me and, uh, and the podcast. Jen, if you have anything to send, Jen will be answering that stuff. But that's on Facebook at the home, uh, the Almost Home Podcast, on Instagram at almosthome.podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. And if you want to send Scott a letter, uh, it's P.O. Box 572. I'm just making, I don't really know. But. Yeah, it's like, it's like, man, you're giving him like your P.O. box. I mean, no, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to talk to Scott, man, just uh, if you live in Wells, with a swing by my house. I mean, I'm usually sitting out front. That's, or, yeah, or come find me at church. Good point. Find you him find at me. church. Find him at city council meetings. Yep, talk city. to him about the pothole in the road in front of your house. I will gladly come and, and fix it. I will fix it myself. <laughs> I will go down to the city lot. And I will throw a bunch of cold patch in the bed of my truck, and I will come fix your pothole. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. In your street and in your life. I'll take you to church. <laughs> all right. Well, we thank you all for listening. I love you all, and God bless.